So the defense dropped some bombshells the other day. We talked about them yesterday. Talked about the, uh, you know, could Koberger be innocent? Well, today we're going to talk about how Koberger could still be very much guilty. Please hit that like and subscribe button, ring that notification bell. Also, don't forget our partnership with Data Seal. If you're concerned about your privacy, whether it's your phone number, your name, email address, um, regular address, voting preference, religious preference, things of that nature on the interwebs, check out Data Seal. Help you get all that stuff scrubbed off the interweb, get a 5% discount when you use the link in the description and or in the comment section. Without further ado, let's get into it. So uh, the defense dropped a lot of, like we mentioned in the top of the show, uh, a lot of bombs on the objection to the state's motion for the protective order. And today we want to talk about, um, you know, perhaps what is some of the ways that maybe the prosecution is going to attack some of these things that were set. Uh, like everything else, let's start off at the bottom and go backwards. Um, let's start with the fact that there is no explanation for the total lack of DNA evidence from the victims in Mr. Koberger's apartment, office, home, or vehicle. Now, I will admit that that is a huge hurdle, humongous hurdle. And I'll say that you know, prior to this document coming out, I was about 85, 80% positive that Brian Koberger committed this crime. Since then, it's probably dropped down to closer to that 55%, 60, you know, maybe 50, 50-ish. Um, but, you know, I still need to ponder this a little bit more and think about certain things before I make my decision. Like I mentioned before, tonight, myself, Blue, and Jaime will be talking about this much more uh, on a live stream. You don't want to miss it. So make sure you hit that notification bell. So no explanation for the total lack of DNA. Well, I'm reminded and you know about a case and I was actually watching uh, Watsi Obsession the other day and she had a guest who brought up this case and I looked into it. Uh, it's pretty crazy, but I'm reminded by a case of Chris Poroko, who was a guy that uh, was a fraternity student who went and was accused and convicted of attacking both of his parents, Peter and Joan Porco, uh, with an axe. You know, he ended up taking the life of his father and leaving his mom badly disfigured. Um, it was a situation where I think his father ended up getting hit with an axe somewhere around 16 times. The mom was like somewhere around four. She ended up losing an eye and uh, they described one of the wounds where you can actually see brain matter in. She's very fortunate and miracle to be alive. Now, Chris, who was convicted of this crime, basically for multitudes of reasons, video surveillance, uh, DNA that uh, that was found on a toll ticket, you know, for from him heading out to that direction, leaving the college. There's video surveillance, a lot of things that ended up pointing it in his direction. But a couple of key, uh, you know, issues or instances in this case was that Chris lived over 200 miles away, over three hours away. He went over there, committed this crime. It was The scene was described very horrific, gruesome, bloody. And yet he drove back in his yellow, in his yellow Jeep without getting any DNA evidence or blood evidence in his vehicle. Now, a lot of people were talking about, and, and there was a lot of speculation uh, that perhaps because Chris worked at a veterinary hospital, that he had access to certain equipment and protective gear uh, that would prevent blood and those type of things from getting on his person. And that perhaps maybe because of his access to those things that he was using that equipment um, during the commission of this crime, 
which is an explanation as to why he didn't get anything on him. Now, Brian Koberger had access to similar equipment because he was, you know, a uh, intern or not an intern, but he was a, um, a teacher's assistant at WSU teaching in criminologist, criminal justice, which I can probably assume that amongst, you know, that wing or, or in that class studies uh, are classes that deal with evidence handling and forensics and things of that nature, which would have, uh, which would make him have act or would allow him to have access to certain protective gear. Not saying that that's the case. You know, Brian Coger is innocent until proven guilty, just a theory and a thought by myself. And so, um, you know, that was a big question for a lot of people is that he drove 200 plus uh, miles and there was no blood in the Jeep. There was no bloody clothes. And he was questioned the next day. You know, it wasn't a situation where, you know, like in this situation with Brian Koberger, where, you know, he was questioned you know, almost two months later uh, when it came to Chris, I believe it was the next day. And so it was a crazy situation. Um, you know, is it likely that that's what happened in this scenario? I, I don't know. I don't know. It is a huge hurdle. And that's one that I've been saying from the beginning that if there was no DNA in the vehicle and if there was no like cleaning agent or things of that nature, that uh, then this is going to be a very concerning case for the prosecution. And I agree to this point, even though that I'm going looking at this video uh, at the eyes from trying to still see that potentially Cobra could have done this. I still see it as a big hurdle. Now, the next piece of information here is there's no connection between Brian Koberger and the victims. Now, in this situation here, uh, you can't have, you know, your cake and eat it too. You can't say, uh, hey, there's no connection. I've never met these persons. I've never been in their house and not have an explanation as to why your DNA is underneath the body of one of the victims inside this house on a sheath, uh, which is suspected to have held or been the holder for the weapon that was used in this crime. You know, if there shouldn't be any explanation or there shouldn't be any reason why his DNA should be anywhere in that house. Now, let's get into that DNA and we'll talk about it. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's just touch DNA. It could have gotten there a multitude of ways. You know what the most common way touch DNA gets on something? By a person touching it. So don't exclude the fact that there's that possibility. Now, I understand, you know, a defense is going to look at this as say, hey, there's multitudes of reasons and one of them that i even hypothesized was that that perhaps that given the fact that brian koberger is a guy that may have had access to you know the police department in moscow or you know the state lab given his studies or things of that nature that maybe perhaps he came in contact with something that the sheath came in contact after it was collected uh, while it was in their lab you know if they have some sort of evidence of that and then you can you know, as unlikely as it is that it just so happened to have gotten there, um, there's that possibility, right? But there's no connection between Koberger and the victims. And the other thing about the DNA, too, is, and I know a lot of people are, you know, questioning uh, the prosecution for not wanting to disclose the names of the relatives. I just don't understand how it is relevant in this case. And the reason being is, before everybody gets mad and does everything, let me explain. The reason being is, what would be the uh, the objective of the defense 
when it comes to the uh, genealogical DNA, right? What would be the, uh, the, the, what would be the main objective? Best outcome, get it thrown out, right? Well, it's already out. The prosecution's not using it. Now, I understand they wanna, you know, show their work and this and that, but uh, let's just say the prosecution comes back and says, all right, here's all the information that you want. And let's just say the defense finds out that there was a mishandling or there was a contamination or a chain of evidence situation that occurred uh, sometime between the time that that profile was created in the Idaho State Lab initially once it was discovered and the time that it was in transport to Texas or the time that it was in Texas in that Hawthorne Lab or the time that it was transported from you know Texas to Quantico or wherever that the FBI does their lab work. Let's just say that they find something there. And then all that gets thrown out. You still have to, um, you know, you still have that profile that the Idaho State Lab created that they were able to match to the DNA that was left on the sheath. Now, there's one thing that's in all of this is that, you know, the, the defense is not uh, fighting the accuracy of the uh, DNA. They're not saying, they're not fighting the validity of the DNA, saying that it's not Brian Koberger. Uh, you know, they're arguing that they're not showing the case, so to speak. And, uh, and so by doing so, basically indicating that it is Koberger's DNA that's on there. Now, how it got there is, is a question mark. You know, we don't know, but is it possible that he touched it? Now, if we were to look at this case and just kind of look at it on its face value of only the DNA, then I would say, hey, this there's no way that you can, you know, open the gates, let him out. You know, not saying that he's innocent, but there is absolutely no proof there. But it's not just that. You also have the fact that he has the vehicle that it, somewhat matches or matches the description of the vehicle that was in and around that area during the commission of the crime. And you have his suspicious activity during the commission of the crime when it came to his phone, turning off his phone and turning it back on. You know, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, it could have died or it could have done this. And on its own are reasonable, you know, explanations, you know, but when you put them all together to paint a picture as to, you know, Koberger being innocent, we would have to believe that Koberger just decided to go for a drive that night. His phone just so happened to die um, prior to the uh, the start of the commission of this crime. He realized his phone had died or he drove out of the area or out of service and drove back into service coincidentally after the incident had occurred. All while, you know, somebody who'd really committed this crime um, had a sheath and a, and a weapon with him that Koberger coincidentally handled at some point, right? There's a lot of coincidences there that have to make up everything when you have to paint a picture as to why, uh, you know, he is innocent in this situation, right? You know, I understand the state's want and desires to to know the work for the G, the investigative genetic genealogy, genealogy information um, however, it's, I just don't see, you know, I would just, if I was a prosecution, I'd say, okay, you know, we don't, I know they don't have it. That's one of the biggest things that's in there is that because it wasn't going to be used against um, Koberger, it wasn't uh, saved or whatever. Uh, and so I'm not sure 
what the objective here is with that. Yeah. Outside of having it tossed and it's not already used. Now, when it comes to the white Elantra, this states here that a report from an analysis of the FBI dated March 21st, 2023 shows the analysis or the analyst heavily relying on a video of a car heading in the wrong direction at the wrong time on Ridge Road. Now we have to remember this is in the point of view and the perspective of the defense. You know, the prosecution might think, oh, you know, it's very much the right direction and very much the right time. Well, first and foremost, let's find out where Ridge Road is. Now, I would assume that Ridge Road, um, you know, sounds like it's somewhere um, super far away or maybe, um, you know, on the opposite side of town based on the description that you had there from the defense saying that it was in the wrong direction at the wrong time. And a lot of people are assuming that that was the uh, video of the uh, gas station Elantra, which it's not, or the gas station white car, who knows if it was an Elantra or not. Ridge Road connects to Walenta Drive. Ridge Road is not very, very long of a road. So Walenta is right here. It turns into Ridge Road for approximately a block and then it turns into Sunnyside and then back into Walenta Drive over here. Now, I've gone up and down Ridge, Ridge Road to try to find this video or this camera that's potentially being utilized. And the only thing that I've noticed is here on this house here is on this left pillar here is appears to be a camera or something up there. Could be wrong. It may not be it, but it does appear to be a camera there. And what it would be looking at, in my opinion, the way it's facing, since it's facing, you know, the uh, driveway and the entrance of the driveway and it's angled, there's a curve here. If a vehicle was traveling in this, you know, towards this house, you would get a pretty clear picture of the front end of that car. And a couple of things you would notice is that it was not, it did not have a front license plate if that ends up being the case. Now, when this vehicle traveled through here and what direction it was traveling is unknown. They don't specify. However, it's not very far from the victim's residence. I mean, this is what lent to drive up here is the victim's residence is 1122 King Road. It is merely blocks away from the address. So for them to go in there and say it's the wrong direction, the wrong time and all this other stuff, it makes it alludes that it's one thing, but it, but it really isn't. What else do we have that kind of points towards Koberger's, um, you know, guilt, so to speak, or his maybe not so much guilt, but his involvement, let's put it that way. Uh, let's talk about the FBI cellular analysis survey team cast. Uh, this was actually a link that was sent to me from Christy Gonzalez, mother of the late Kaylee Gonzalez victim in this case, um, referencing what cast is and what they do. And, and in this article, it states that the FBI cast says it can dramatically enhance location accuracy using historical cell site sector information plus timing information inherent in a cellular network because of historical GPS and or precise location data is not typically connected and stored on a cell phone or by the network, the reliability and the accuracy of the FBI cast enhanced cell site analysis based on cell sector plus timing and power. So to be clear, the FBI cast enhanced cell site analysis is not E911 location information that is calculated in real time burst of GPS data sent by the cell phone or a hybrid available GPS data or network data collected from three or more cell towers. 
CAS relies on historical signal data that a network measures and calculates for the purpose other than providing its customers with precise location information. Traditional historical cell sector analysis is not precise. That's the triangulation error, uh, triangulation type of, of locating. It provides a cell site sector as a location for a target phone, right? As shown in figure one, accuracy is limited to the radius of the serving sector. While typically measured in miles, CAS says it can increase location precision with a timing band, primarily based on the time it takes from a signal to travel from a cell tower to a cell phone and back, right? So basically in a nutshell, they're able to give exact times and locations based on the time it takes, I mean, precise location based on the time it takes for a signal to bounce back and forth from um, your, your, your tower. Now, obviously it states if there's more towers, it'll be more precise, but this is something that gets very precise. And this is what they utilized when it came to putting Koberger near the residence 12 times, right? Now, I do know that it says that on one occasion that he connected to a tower in Moscow, but he wasn't there. This could be why they don't believe that he was there. We often ask, why do they think that he wasn't there if his phone was there? Perhaps it's because it did connect because he's not very far from Moscow, but utilizing this information and the time that it took from his phone to connect to or bring a signal back and forth to that tower in Moscow would have shown that his location was not in Moscow. Does that make sense? That's why I think that's in there. You know, I often question why would it be in there? And it just wasn't worded correctly, in my opinion. What do we have? We have Koberger around that area. We have, you know, Koberger's DNA on a sheath underneath the victim in the house that Koberger claims to not be connected, thus meaning that his DNA should not be in there. One of the things that I felt that the uh, prosecution was banking on was the fact that um, after his arrest, that they were going to find a bunch of information, planning of the incident, um, DNA, all those type of things. But if Koberger ended up understanding how um, how he's going to be investigated, is there the possibility that maybe perhaps he had burner equipment, whether it was a burner phone, a cheap tablet or laptop that he did all of his investigating on that is in a hole burned and damaged somewhere out there. Uh, if he, he was, he would have known that if they looked into him, that he should probably uh, get rid of whatever devices that could lead back to him. And so he probably purchased devices ahead of time. Uh, we do know from the probable cause affidavit that Koberger's past education included undergraduate degrees in psychology and cloud-based forensics. That's huge. It's his, his undergraduate degree is in cloud-based forensics. Now, I don't know anything about forensics or cloud-based forensics, but that sounds technical and it sounds like, you know, that he would be privileged information as to how he would have been investigated. Uh, these records also show that Koberger wrote an essay for the internship of the Pullman Police Department in the fall 2022. In Koberger's essay, he wrote that he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies without to better collect and analyze technological data and public safety operations. So, you know, he wanted to specify or be specifically in the field of technology and technological data. So I don't understand why everybody would be surprised that maybe perhaps he would have known not to have searched um, these women and Ethan, um, the house, 
the everything on his personal devices that would be traced back to him. There's a big possibility there. But like I said, like I said yesterday, um, <laughs> I'm currently in the middle. You know, I want to see what else there is out there. Like I said before, this is very one-sided. This is very much on the side of the prosecution. I mean, on the side of the defense. So um, that's, you know, an interpretation and the understanding from the defense. Let's see what the prosecution has to say for themselves. I think Tuesday there's a court hearing. I'm interested in how this goes. I am confused. Let me know in the comment section what you guys think. Do you guys think he's innocent? Do you guys think he's um, that he had a part in this case? Uh, what do you guys think about all the DNA that's found all over the place or the other DNA samples that were found? Um, you know, I know I didn't touch that on here, but this was just kind of discussing why or how Koberger could be guilty. Uh, when it comes to those things, as far as the DNA, real quick, briefly, uh, it's possible that it was from one of the 150 people that were there the night before. It's possible that um, it could have been, um, you know, one of the numerous of people that, um, you know, Kaylee or Maddie came in contact with the night of the incident at the corner club or at the grub truck, uh, at the grub truck. You know, they could have came in contact with anybody there and took in that touch DNA with them. And as they lay down on the bed, transferred that to the bed and which would leave that, you know, those DNA profiles out there. So let me know what you guys think. I mean, you know, we'll be going live tonight, 735 p.m. Central. Hit that like and subscribe button. Peace.